the attendance. All right. We have area code 207 ended it ending in 703. Two oh seven ending in eight four three. We have area yeah. code two two oh seven yeah. ending in nine three zero. Mary Ellen's iPad. Bruce's iPad. Ginger. And Linda Richards. Nathaniel Batson. Noah Carver. Pauline Lamontagne, Roger Fuller, and then we have myself, um, and Cecily, who's also helping with hosting. We have Amanda Frost, Deb, who is streaming for us, Linda Perel, Cheryl Peabody, and that is the sole amount of attendees. Thank you so much for that. Sure. Um, so we are coming back from lunch. Welcome back, everybody. Um, we're going to do scholarships now. Um, and Noah and Nathaniel. So it's Noah Carver and Nathaniel Batson were our two scholarship recipients. They're both going to receive $750. Um, they are just amazing. Noah, would you like to start and just give a brief overview of what your essay said, what you've been doing? Okay, uh, I can certainly try. Um, uh, so good afternoon. Um, can uh, I, I'm sorry, I'm in a rather loud, large practice room, so I'm not sure if you can hear me. Um, it's perfect. And, and Wonderful. Speak, speak freely about whatever you would, I, I kind of gave you an agenda, but but you can say whatever you would like to say. <laughs> That's dangerous. Um, <laughs> it's very dangerous. Um, good afternoon. Um, my name is Noah Carver. I originally um, was, I was born and raised on Beals Island uh, in Maine. And um, I'm still a Mainer, even though I currently reside in Rochester, New York, uh, where I am uh, pursuing a Bachelor of Music in Vocal Performance from the Eastman School of Music in Rochester, New York. Um, in addition to my studies here at Eastman, I'm, I am um, fully immersed in the voice program here. Um, I just finished an opera performance uh, with Eastman Opera Theater. I was in the chorus for a modern opera uh, called We've Got Our Eye on You by Inkira Okoye. Um, and in addition to that, I'm an active um, soloist uh, performer at various um, venues and events throughout Rochester. Um, and I am also um, active both... Um, in the music accessibility space where I contribute informally to the MuseScore project, which is software designed to allow anyone to compose notated sheet music. And my work there is focused on making sure that blind and visually impaired or low vision uh, musicians can write and read um, music in braille and in uh, accessible formats. Um, efficiently and effectively at parity with their sighted peers, sighted musicians. 
Um, I am also involved here at Eastman where I'm currently in the stages of creating a disabled students union. I'm um, currently the vice president uh, elect of that operation. And uh, we are preparing to uh, begin advertising and recruiting members. So we're in a very exciting place there. Um, and um, overall, my goal um, is not only to um, pursue my work as a musician, um, classically trained musician, but also to pave the way forward for future uh, blind and low vision musicians to have an easier time of it, to have a more accessible time of it, and to um, be able to more readily engage in something that brings great joy to so many people, both uh, performers and um, audience members alike. So it's an honor to be here. It's an honor to receive the scholarship from the American Council of the Blind of Maine. And uh, thank you very much to uh, everyone involved in this process. It truly is an honor. You're welcome. Noah, you're doing so well. We're so proud of you. Thank you for being here today. Nathaniel, are you here as well? Yes, I am here. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. All right, perfect. And you, you can feel free to share what you would like as well. Sure, absolutely. I need to remember what I wrote. wrote. That was a very long time ago, but from uh, my uh, recollection, like I said, uh, I'm I'm here. I'm currently a fifth year at the University of Maine and um, pursuing a I'm honors college, uh, dual degrees in music and uh, music and political science with uh, triple minors in disability studies, legal studies, and leadership studies. I have a lot to do, <laughs> but um, I'm doing that, and uh, I've been I've been active in various capacities, whether it being through uh, helping test out the accessible absentee ballots when it first came out in 2020, uh, 2021. Or whether it be just like you know, be part of this or being part of the SRC. I'm finally a member now for the uh, division for the bottom visually impaired. It took almost two years for me to get appointed, but now I'm an official member now instead of just a uh, consumer, if you will. But um, I'm part of that. I've been, as far as different, I'm in various ensembles at the university. I am uh, currently working or employed like with. Market Chase Policy Center, they they need a new theme for their podcast because the one that they use right now is, my theory teacher put it, it sounds like a very bad version of NPR music, mm -hmm. like a very low quality NPR music kind of like theme that they use currently. And they want something more original like that they can basically own. So they, I mean, the, the thing that they use now is, you know, public domain music or public domain kind of sound. So there's no copyright, but they want something that they're like, is their own. So that's what they're looking for people to compose something for them. My theory teacher asked me, I said, yes. So that's what I'm working on right now. They did not give me very much guidelines and they, they acknowledge it as a client. That's not what you want to hear from a client that we don't know what we want, but I'm making it work and I've given them a couple of demos that they like. So if we find one that they actually <clears throat> like, and uh, the goal is to have that by like January, February. I mean, but. I'm working on that and I'm getting paid for not not getting much, but you know, it's to be expected. It's my first thing, so I'm not getting paid much, but I'm, it's just experience and just uh, exposure so I can have that on my resume. Absolutely. I'm not 100% sure now with this going on. I'm not sure if I still want to do, you know, advocacy, if I want to do something with music. I don't want to be a performer. I kind of already made that decision. I just want to, I don't, 
want to be constricted to that kind of stuff. But I'm so interested in the uh, law area, so whether that means something with music or advocacy, I don't know. Wonderful. Thank you, Nathaniel. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you, Nathaniel. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, that was wonderful. Um, guys, congratulations. We're really yeah, proud thank of you. you. You're doing great. All right. Um, the next thing that we have on the agenda is the ACB main history. Um, and Cheryl found a little, um, well, a, a nice little description of um, the history of ACB Maine. And so Mark is going to share that for us. Um, please excuse his <laughs> yawning. Um, he does yawn when he reads. He can't help it, but he's going to try to get through this for us. <laughs> okay. He's just going to get his glasses. That will help him. He won't yawn as much. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Tell me if you guys can hear him. If, if somebody can't, just speak up, please. All right, so again, please bear with me. I don't do it on purpose, and it's not boring. Just It just happens. <clears throat> All right. Can everybody hear me okay? Yes. A lot of All right. Loud and clear. <laughs> Very good. It says the American Council of the Blind in Maine is the leading advocate for Mainers who are blind or visually impaired and is dedicated to improving their quality of life through work and education. The council's history of advocacy began more than 100 years ago. Throughout the 1900s into the 21st century, the council has passed Maine lawmakers to support programs and policies aimed at allowing blind persons to develop their potential and independence. In December of 2003, the director of the state's division of the blind and visually impaired, Harold Bud Lewis, looked back at the past 100 years and said, throughout the century, no, sorry, throughout the century, no advances would have been made without consumer advocates, advocates leading the way. The early years, the roots of this advocacy was that were planted in 1903 by a Portland man named William Ryan, who, as a boy, lost his sight overnight at a time when there was no service for blind adults whatsoever. Ryan sold almanacs door to door. He was dedicated to the value of work and the principles of independence for blind persons. Through Ryan's persistence and determination, a new organization was formed to advocate for Maine blind citizens. On June 16, 1903, William Ryan, with William Trask of Gardner and William Lynch of Portland, organized the Maine Association for the Blind. In 1905, the association's advocacy led to the establishment of the Maine Institution for the Blind. MIB. Two years later, in 1907, the Maine legislator appropriated $40,000 for the MIB to purchase property and construct buildings in Portland. In 1909, the MIB opened new buildings and began an individual trial program, oh no, sorry, industrial training program, making brooms and chairs. The Maine Institution 
for the blind would later become the main center for the blinding visually impaired MCBVI and then the Iris Network. In 1910, the Maine Association for the Blind changed its name to the Maine Fraternal Association of the Blind and continued as such for 77 years. One of the association's first objectives was to provide life insurance to blind persons who were routinely denied at that time. For decades, the association provided a death benefit to the survivors of its members. In 1921, with support of the association, the main institution for the blind opened a woman's boarding house at 210 Park Avenue in Portland. Men would be admitted to the residence in 1947. Decades of legislative advocacy. By the 1940s, the Maine Fraternal Association of the Blind had set its sights on changing state government and lobbied successful for a state agency for the blind. In 1943, a state agency was created to provide rehabilitation services for the visually impaired. In the 1950s, the association moved a new issue to the forefront, the education of blind children in public schools. The association urged state officials to mainstream blind children in public school classrooms, urging against isolation and discrimination. When school opened in September of 1957, the first resource room for the blind students in Maine was established at Cathedral Grammar School in Portland. Portland, Maine was among the first states to take such action. 15 years before federal law required this opportunity for visual impaired students. In 1960, the association fought to create business opportunities for the blind and visually impaired. The association lobbied for and the Maine legislature passed a law that gave priority to visually impaired citizens to operate snack bars, cafeteria, and vending machines in state buildings. This was modeled after a federal law, the Randolph-Shepard Act, and created such opportunity in federal buildings. In succeeding years, the association has vigorously fought to preserve the business enterprise program. The association also successfully advocated a law to prevent discrimination against blind persons by insurance companies. The association urged governors to proclaim a white cane awareness day in Maine to enhance public awareness of issues facing blind citizens. To further promote state programs and policies, the association was instrumental in creating an active citizen advisory board with the Division of the Blind, a division of eye care and special services. The board associated in uh, starting blind prevention programs. In 1964, the association promoted legislation that provided Supplemental Security Income, SSI, to blind children and adults who were not covered by Social Security. In 1973, the association succeeded in reestablishing the Division of Eye Care as a separate and identifiable agency serving the blind and visually impaired. The... 
the culmination of years of lobbying. Prior to this, services for the blind had been merged with another state agency. In 1975, the association sponsored legislation that extended services for the blind throughout the entire state. In 1977, the association worked jointly with the Maine Center for the Blind and Visually Impaired to establish a program community-based rehabilitation teachers. In 1979, the association became an affiliate of a national organization, the American Council for the Blind. In the 1980s, the association began work on legislation to designate the Division of the Blind, uh, the, sorry, the Division of Eye Care as the agency responsible for providing supportive services to blind children in public school. In 1986, the legislator enacted the association's proposal. At this time, the association began actively creating recreational opportunities for members such as cross-country skiing, canoeing, and playing goalball. In 1987, the Maine Fraternal Association of the Blind changed its name to the American Council of the Blind of Maine. Throughout the 1980s, the council expressed concerns about architectural and environmental barriers that denied disabled people full access to the workplace, public transportation, and public buildings, and the council supported national legislation to provide access. In 1990, Congress enacted the Americans with Disabilities Act. In recognition of their support for the act, members of the council were invited to the White House when the president signed the bill into the law. In 1992, the council's legislative uh, success established a separate vocational rehabilitation plan in the Division for the Blind. The, this ensured that federal funds for services for the blind were not placed in a pool with other vocational rehabilitation funds. New service provider positions resulted from this initiative. The American Council of the Blind in Maine was granted federal status as a tax-exempt nonprofit organization, an advantage for the council's fundraising efforts. As computers proliferated throughout Maine, the council took notice, knowing that computer skills are essential to business in the 21st century, the council became a strong advocate for the computer access program, which provides in interrent instructors to teach blind and visually impaired persons to use computers. Screen readers, software enabled blind and visually impaired persons to hear or see in large print what is on the computer. When funding for the computer access program was reduced, the council was responsible for legislation to increase funding and restore the cuts. The future. Throughout a century, the challenges and priorities of the council have changed with the times. As 2004 began, Brian Higgins was serving as council president. For the first time, he said the council has set a priority of establishing business development grants for business-minded members. Business development and employment programs are <clears throat> especially important. 
Higgins said, because unemployment among Maine blind population is 75%, other priorities for the council include access to computer technology, the availability of material in Braille and large print, and the struggle to prevent awakenings or erosions of the Americans with Disabilities Act. The American Council of the Blind in Maine does not provide direct services, but continues to be a vigorous voice for legislation, uh, legislative act that will improve the quality of life for Mainers who are blind or visually impaired. And that ends the portion of of what I have to say. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You did great. I oh my God. Silence. I really, <laughs> I'm really proud. Good job. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Okay, I think Cheryl, what number gift card are we on? Are we on five? Yes. Let's do five and six. Okay. Alexa, pick a yeah, number between me to one and twenty-one. Here's a number between one and twenty-one. Fourteen. Fourteen. Fourteen is Bruce Archer. <gasps> Yay, Bruce! Congratulations. He's speechless. Yeah, that's well Cheryl told me to mute myself. So before he unmutes. Cheryl told me to mute myself, so I thought I'd you better needed you, Bruce. I, know. I needed myself and he told me to. Thank you. How much is it worth? Awesome. I never even asked. It's a two dollars. Two dollars, yeah. You still get penny candy around here. I'll take $2. You can't get penny candy anymore. Thanks, guys. And good, yeah, job, good job, Mark. About the, the <laughs> thing. That was good. Yeah, that was a good This is Noah, and I just want to say. Congratulations to Noah and uh, Nathaniel, too. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, sir. You, you know, history is more interesting when you end up being part of it. I know. <laughs> that just means we're older. That's all that means. I know. <laughs> Especially that guy sitting next to you. Yes, Linda? Uh, Ginger? Yo, Ginger, I'm sorry. Yes, go ahead, Ginger. <laughs> it's okay. Um, I was regrouping and had to re-sign on, so I missed the very start of the history. Who wrote that history? Author um, unknown. Yeah, it's... Huh? I can look at it in a sec. Where did you get it? it? Doesn't say it. No. Is where, that where on the ACB main? Is that on our ACB main website? I hadn't seen it before. It it's going it to be. be. Yeah. It's going to be. Yes. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Yeah. Thank we you. Came across and this Mark, and we you were... did a great job reading. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you very much. Noah, I think you were beginning to say something. I was. I just wanted to say that I had no idea that the ACB of Maine was um, so instrumental in creating the consumer organizations to um, for which so many um, um, blind people throughout the state are um, reliant on. And so I, I learned a very valuable history lesson today, and I'm very thankful to whoever composed or wrote that Um that um that article 
Yeah, and it's it's a lengthy article, but it's so informative, and I just feel like it it means so much to us, especially because that's our history. And um, yeah, it's it's amazing. I love it. Yeah, we've been, uh, I've heard it many times before, but it probably needs to be updated. I think that was nineteen eighty something that was written, but no, it wasn't because it has a quote oh. from Brian. Two thousand. from who? Brian. Brian, what's his name? Hickens. Yeah. In yeah, 2004, he was president. Oh, okay. Yep. Well, that's that's been 20 years, so. You know, it was interesting for me to hear it because when they talked about establishing the classroom at Cathedral School, I was at that time taught by the nun, Sister Miguel, who ran that classroom. Oh, She's the one who taught me Braille. So. Oh, okay. Oh wow! That was 1905. Yeah, yeah, it's right. <laughs> 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 Mr. McGowan sounds familiar. I'm gonna mute myself again. <laughs> was somebody else talking? Was that Pat? Maybe I. I don't know. I was just saying that Sister Miguel sounds familiar. I don't know if I had her in school also. I went to the Blind Children's Resource Center in Harbor, Maine in the 60s. So, but I don't know what names to this sounds familiar. I'm sorry, I can't help you with that, Pat. That's okay. You don't have to. Okay. <laughs> oh, Jean's Jean's waiting um, for the um, the next drawing. Thought there was going to be two. Oh, I am so sorry. Yes, let's do the second one. Oh. Yes. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Alexa picks an empty. He wants to win again. <laughs> <laughs> one per household. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, really. I can't win. You no, no, you can win, Pat. That. That's okay. You can win. <laughs> that's okay. I gave it to you last year anyway. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Cheryl, did we get another number? No. Okay. Well, so it, pick a number between 1 and 21. Here's a number between one and 21. It's 21. 21. Mm. 21 is Noah Copper. Right. Congratulations, Noah. Wow. Goodness gracious. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you. See, Very I'm so much. glad you were here. <laughs> um, okay, so we thank can you go. very much. You are welcome. We can go into the business meeting now. Um, and forgive me, this is the first time I'm doing this. So um, I might ask a couple of questions. Linda, you're kind of the, the guru. So I might ask you a couple of questions. <laughs> okay. Um, so um, I just want to, um, we're going to do... All right. Um, acceptance of the agenda. If everybody is um, okay with the agenda, we did everybody get um, the agenda? You can access it through your email. I think it was um, um, it was sent to you just a little while ago. 
Um, so if we don't have any opposition, I will go on. Um, we are going to do reading of the proposed bylaws, Linda, if you would like to read those for a second time, feel free to do that now. Okay. Um, this is one of those Robert's Rules thing where you're supposed to read things twice before voting on them. <laughs> so you've heard them this morning and now here we go again. There are two proposed uh, changes to the um, current uh, constitution bylaws. Um, the first one, point 1.1, 1 .1, um, is uh, the current language is annual dues will be assessed at $15 per year, effective as of October 1, 2020, for the 2021 membership year. And the proposed language is annual dues will be assessed at $20 per year, um, effective as of January 1, 2024, for the 2024 membership year. And um, so, all those in favor of the change? Aye. You can vote aye. 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 Perfect. <laughs> okay. Any opposed? Aye. Okay. One up, one opposed. Any uh, abstentions? Okay. So the second one current language for 1.2 is members who are delinquent for two years will be dropped from the membership. They mean delinquent in payment. <laughs> we don't know about their other delinquency. I'm talking about me this time. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> so uh, the well, proposed cool. language is 1.2 is delete 1.2. Um, all those in favor? Aye. 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 Okay. Opposed? No op opposition. So uh, the Constitution is therefore changed to reflect that. We'll make sure that gets on uh, the website as well. This is Roger, and congratulations, Linda, and everyone. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you, Roger, for your patience. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. And thank you, Roger. You had a role in, in that. Yes, um, you did. So thank you, Roger. And Carolyn, you did as well. So thank you, Linda. I, I could probably thank everybody because mm -hmm. we all talked about it at our meeting. So <laughs> we're all involved. So thank you, everybody. Um, yep. Go ahead, Ginger. Um, had a question why I'm just wondering um, and I don't know the history or the background but there was no reason given why we were increasing the dues and I was just wondering if uh, someone could share what the need was. <laughs> Inflation. Inflation. <laughs> um, we give um, $5 per member to ACB 
and this is just a way to keep a little bit more money for ourselves. Um, it's it's not much, but <laughs> every little bit helps. And um, less than two dollars a month. And also, if we ever meet again in person. It's easier to take a $20 bill out of your pocket than to look for a 10 and a 5 and ask somebody to read it. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so, um, that's all I carry is 20. <laughs> okay. So, Thank uh, you. That, yeah, those were the reasons. Okay. So, <clears throat> our next item on the agenda is location of the next. Lo um, 2024 convention um, and is it do we have um a plate does it rotate i believe i heard it rotates and i didn't know whose turn it was i mean because we didn't have it where we were supposed to this year so does it go back by default or move on i don't know Please so we can have right now <laughs> Um, this is Linda. I, I have one concern. I always have a concern. If mm -hmm. we pick a location, a physical location, and then yeah. we we find ourselves um, having to make the choice to go virtual again, is there any way to make the choice more open-ended so that we don't have the anguish of having to re revisit the, the changing I know it's part of the Constitution that we have to say when it is next year, but is there any way to fix that so that we have the most flexibility? I think we weren't, weren't we able to do that two years back when uh, in 21 or 22, I think it was 22. Uh, we made the change like, you know, it was more that time it was not so much because of finances it was more because you know because of covid it was so kind of uh pretty active if you will I mean, it was so really not much was known about it so people were a lot more concerned about meeting in person I mean, which is you know 100 percent understandable and we we're able to make that change kind of a couple like a month or a month and a half before the convention because I don't think that there's anything, there's there's nothing in the Constitution that says that yes, we can't change. There is? There is the, yeah. It is in the Constitution that the location of the following convention be voted on by the membership, not the board of directors, but the membership. And I think it would do okay. our members a disservice if we took that part out. I, I agree. With this that. is Bruce. I think if we just stipulate that it may change due to unforeseen circumstances, yeah, just pick the place, and that's all we need to do. And this and like Ginger? when, yes, go ahead, Ginger. Um, I just wanted to provide some information from the last time we attempted to plan um, an in-person yeah. meeting. It, it was the the location was supposed to be the Portland area. Um, and that we did go back to the ACB board to get a uh, change in the date because I believe it had been voted on maybe for October. It had been set for October, but um, the price, the prices at the hotel, the rates went down um, after November. I don't know what it's fourth or something. Right, like but that our constitution and bylaws just say that the convention will be in the fall. It doesn't stipulate which month. Right, so we were able to, uh, the, so the board voted at that point to determine that it was okay to hold the 
um, the convention in November, later on in November than it was ordinarily um, expected. Yeah. All we're interested in yeah. at this point is just, just a place for now. Yeah. I think if we, if we even, you know, said um, in the motion, um, you know, wherever it might be, Portland, but default um, virtual if needed. Um, we have would, another would... membership meeting in May. Is that right? Is, is Do we have to, a two membership meetings a year or no. only? This is the only That's one. That's PTD. That's oh, jeez, I do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ginger. <laughs> Linda, you're so informative. Thank you. <laughs> Even when you're wrong. Even when she's I, not wrong. Just, it's pie. Thank you, guys. Dog users. What for? All right. So we need yeah. to pick a place. Yeah. yeah, let's pick a place. We don't. The membership does. Yeah. Let's what? pick a guest. I move to. I'm. I make a motion. Well, I we can make. We I make a motion to hold the next ACB fall annual membership meeting in the Portland area. Oh, I hate Portland. Okay, there's a motion on the floor. Second Just, I'll second it. Am I allowed to do that as a board member or not? Yes. Oh, thank yeah. you. Um. Okay. Um. Is is there? We've had discussions, so I'll go to, you know, all in favor. No. Opposed. Aye. 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 And abstained. Okay, so Portland's out. May I put a new motion on the floor? Um, I move that we consider Waterville. As a location, I second that. Okay. Any um, I have a comment. Discussion time. Go ahead. Um, for those of us who do live out of state, I understand this is only applicable to me. But um, should the opportunity arise, um, it's trickier to get into a place that isn't Bangor or Portland because of how the airfare system works. Yeah. And commuting from Portland to Waterville or Bangor to Waterville, which are my only two options if I'm to fly from Rochester um, into Maine, is a relatively involved process. Um, do from Portland. Yeah. 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 Is a bus stop in Waterville still? Yes. Yeah. There is. Yes. Okay, so I could theoretically get a flight uh, into Portland, and then take the bus to Waterville, and yes. then be just be yeah. peachy there. Okay. Yes. I will also admit I'm more familiar with uh, Down East Maine and how. Messy our transportation system. Might want to call, so. them and, call them and check it, but I'm pretty sure you can. I know you can get okay. to a well, bus. So yeah. it's it's not very frequent. I think the bus is more frequent yes. with Portland and Bangor, meaning yeah. that you may you might have to leave before the end of yeah. the convention, or you may get there late or whatever. 
Okay. Yeah. From what I remember. Just call Concord okay. Bus. I've been I've done it many times. I go to Augusta where you get to and they can it's close to well, Waterville. Waterville. I know. Yeah, but, but I mean, it's a I long could, walk, Bruce. You have to I think go they to go to Waterville. I think they go to Waterville too. I'm pretty sure. But call the bus <laughs> station make that. They do. Can I can I it throw something else in in there? Are we looking for a hall or a, a hotel where some of us could stay if we want to stay overnight? I mean, that's part of the dilemma, isn't it? It was a great hotel in Waterville. We've done this before in Waterville. Oh yeah, yeah, so yeah. It was, yeah. was a great hotel there. But I don't remember what the name of it is. So. Call for the vote. Okay, so. Uh, um, right now, it's a motion on the floor for the convention to be held in Waterville. So, all in favor? Aye. 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 Thank you. Opposed? Aye. And I'm any abstentions? Aye. I don't know. Sustained. Aye. Okay. So, the vote has been passed for Waterville being the location. The next item on the agenda is elections. And at this time, I'm going to have Nicole take the floor. It's... All right. So uh, we have a few officers positions and then a few board positions. So I'm going to start off with officers. Uh, for the Office of President, the committee has nominated Amanda Frost. Are there any other nominations from the floor that we'd like to consider? Okay. Um, Linda, we need to... You have to repeat that, that three times like a prayer. That's I why I wrote it. Oh, okay. Are there any other nominations? <laughs> any other nominations? I move that nominations be closed and that Amanda Frost be elected by acclamation. I second it. Fantastic. All in favor? Aye. 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 Fantastic. Congratulations, Amanda. Mm. Yeah, it's your problem now, lady. <laughs> All right. Again. For the Office of Vice President, the committee has nominated Linda Perel. Are there any other nominations from the floor? Linda, any other nominations? Last chance, any other nominations? I moved up nominations be closed and that Linda Perel is uh, appointed by acclamation. Is that the right word? Elected. Elected by acclamation. I second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Congratulations, Linda. Thank you. My vice president. For the office of treasurer, the Good thing has nominated Cheryl Peabody. Are there any other nominations from the floor? Any other nominations from the floor? Any other nominations from the floor? I move that nominations be closed and that Cheryl Peabody be elected by acclamation. I second. I. All those in favor? Aye. 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 That floor has been awful quiet. Congratulations, Cheryl. Yay, Cheryl. <laughs> Yay. 
Thank you, Sarah. We asked if you want to accept it first. We're supposed to do that, too, you know. (laughs) She's treasurer for life. All right. I don't think so. (laughs) That's just cruel and unusual punishment. (laughs) For the Office of Secretary, the committee has nominated Nathaniel Batson. Are there any other nominations from the floor? Any other nominations from the floor? Any other nominations from the floor? Can I have a motion I move that voting be closed and that um, he be accepted through acclamation. I second that. Aye. 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 Congratulations, Nathaniel. Mm-hmm. All right, so that was the last of our officers. We're going to move into board members. Um, we do have two vacant seats that um, we'll need to call for nominations. I'm going to save those for the end so that we can um, put in the folks who we do have nominations for. So for the first of two three-year board positions, the committee has nominated Bruce Archer. Are there any other nominations from the floor? Any further nominations? Oh, come on. All right. Any nominations from the floor? Oh, Bruce, you're in it. Oh. Uh, I move that nominations be closed. Uh, I second it. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. I nominate Congratulations, Bruce. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, I guess. All right. You can blame blame Nancy for that. (laughs) For the um, one-year open board position, the committee has nominated Linda Richards. Are there any other nominations from the floor? Oh, some ice number. Any further nominations? Any nominations from the floor? I move that nominations be closed and that Linda Richard um, is elected as a one-year board position by acclamation. Second. Bruce. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Oh, thank you. You have one life. Congratulations, thing. Linda. Mm-hmm. Thank you. All right. So for these last two positions, we do not have nominations. So for the second third year board position, three year board position, my apologies, the committee is open to nominations. So are there any nominations from the floor? I nominate Jane Monahan. Uh, no. I don't want it. Okay. You so, can decline. Um, do, I, do I need to continue to do that, or are we able to at this point? You can decline. You, he can decline. You can't make him. You have to ask if you want to do it anyway. So. I've done a lot of stuff for all kinds of different things. Yes, you have. Yeah. And uh, again, at that point now, uh, 
I can hardly walk around. So I, uh, I, I, I got to decline because my health isn't any good. What'd you give for marrying a younger woman? Sorry to hear that. Where are you right now? <laughs> yeah. So, we appreciate everything you We appreciate everything you do, Jean. Nicole? Yeah. Can I nominate you? <laughs> do you have too much on I'm, your plate? I'm already in the board. You I'm are? Are you? I am. Okay, I, I am. <laughs> oh, good. Mm -hmm. Good. Stay three, there. Three, three years is such a long time to, to, you got it. I know. <laughs> Anybody want to volunteer? You can also can nominate yourself. Yes, yeah, thank you, Bruce, for being that. Yeah, just nobody, nobody's rushing to the volunteer part, though. So. That I heard somebody. Quiet. I heard somebody say, "I will do it." Who was it? I thought I heard that too. I think it was Nancy Matuas. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> that would be payback, right, Bruce? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> How about Debbie? Is she on there? Debbie Celia? No. No. She wouldn't. I wonder what happened to her. She's on her way to Florida today, so she was not able to. Oh, sure. She didn't take okay. us with her. So, Is she going for the win? We can have sighted people yeah. on the board, right? As long as they're a member. Yeah. I think. Yeah. We have to have a certain amount of blind people. I know that. So. Yeah, yeah. We get enough. We get enough freaking blind people. So. Oh, I was just thinking about nominating Mark. Yeah. Don't say that. He's the driver. That's just mean. That's just mean. She's, she's a mean Linda. See, that's why. <laughs> I wonder. Um, this is Ginger. This is Ginger. I'm wondering if we can. Um. Uh, it looks like there's nobody who's volunteering, and I'm just wondering if we can have the board um, appoint somebody after the meeting, since there doesn't yeah, seem to be anybody it. here that right. wants to. Yeah. We kind of have to table it so we don't have any choice. So. But David Perry? Does anybody think David Perry would be interested? <laughs> you can't nominate no. people who aren't here. That's not fair either. Well, no, I know. I'm just trying to give a oh, broad idea. Yeah, you call him and ask him, I guess. Yeah, but... He's a good guy. Uh, he's even a... Anya, what about Anya? You think she'd do that? She'd make things interesting. <laughs> yeah, you folks no. know Anya Galini? Yeah, I no. would get worn out listening to her, though, Mike. She's worse than I am. <laughs> was, Nick, was Nick ever on the board? That's another person. Now let's table it. I mean, something yeah, the people on here. Yeah, Amanda, we, you decide what we should do. What if we hear from some? We'll definitely have to move on. Yeah, um, we okay. will. So, we will work on it. All right. It so now. we have a um, a three year board position and a two year board position. So those are two that the the board is going to need to take away. Okay. Yep. Okay. All right. Very good. Thank you, Nicole. Of course. Thank you. Good are you going to do this Nicole. next year, Nicole? We're working on next year's convention starting right now. Oh, God. Right now, we All have right. the location. Oh, <laughs> now we just need the nomination. Uh, okay. Um, I don't know what we do in person. In person would be pretty weird after all these years. It would be good, though. 
Um, and the last thing on the agenda is just that our next meeting is January 4th, the first Thursday in January um, at 7 p.m. So um, that's it for the agenda. Or be square. Um, do we adjourn? We don't adjourn this meeting, correct? This. No, we oh, adjourn the convention. We adjourn the convention. Yeah. I like adjourning <laughs> things. Okay. So now we can do another gift card, Cheryl. Alexa, pick a number between 1 and 21. There's a number between 4. 4. Okay. 4 is Nicole. Ah. Hey. Good work, Nicole. Yeah. yeah. Being, being on the nominations committee pays off. Yeah, right. <laughs> good job. Good karma, right? jobs that pay off on this committee, I'll tell you. <laughs> um, okay, perfect. Um, so we are early for our next um guest speaker, which is we're half two forty five. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. Um uh, Jeff is. isn't here yet, right? Amanda. Go ahead. Um, I was just wondering um, what you all thought about Brenda's comment about, um, you know, the consumers trying to um, encourage the state to provide a higher pay for O&M instructors. I think that that's perfectly, I wasn't here. But as someone who has um, received um, no O&M instruction from the Division for the Blind for numbers of years because they could not hire someone because they were not competitive with other places in the country, I think that it's perfectly reasonable. Um, I had to teach myself an absurd amount and my O&M skills are still not up to par where they should be. Um, and I think part of that is because I went several years without receiving services because they couldn't hire somebody. My advice is be what, careful what crossing Brenda's the street. Comment? What was Brenda's comment? Oh, uh, Brenda said that uh, she was discussing some of the challenges um, that DV, DVVI had, some of the bigger challenges, and one of the biggest challenges she expressed was um, – the lack of O&M instructors, um, and she went on to say that a big part of that was because of the pay, um, that the wages in Maine aren't as competitive for O&M instructors as they are elsewhere, I assume. And, mm -hmm. you know, plus, like she specifically said that they didn't, they had an, a vacant office in Portland for three years, and I can just tell you that living in Portland, just from looking at the housing market, I don't know what the rent is like, but the housing market yeah, is like yeah. comparable it's to ridiculous. New Jersey. Yeah. And um, whereas there's other locations, probably like, um, you know, Rustic County, where housing is cheaper, you know, with some of these locations, a lot of locations that DBZI is, needs to be in is more expensive. So um, yeah. she, that's what she, one of the challenges that she expressed. So I had asked her if consumer involvement could help to um, encourage whoever, I don't know who that would be, um, but I'm willing to follow up with her on I'm that. If, yeah. yeah, if, if there's, I think, if, 
on behalf of the Maine if you all want me to. Did she yeah. say something, or did I miss it, about um, that there was some committee working on the fee structure for all of that, looking mm-hmm. at increases, budgetary redistribution or something? For, something? Yes, for all the positions, so it was a 5% um, increase, but that's not no. That's not specific to O&M instructors no. or you know getting their pay up higher so that we can attract you know, people to come here. And at the end of her conversation, after she shared some of that, she did say that, um, you know, we could reach out to her and see what uh, consumer involvement might look like. And that's what I'm volunteering to do, to see. You might want to wait till she's done at the end of this month. She's retiring. So you just might want to keep that in consideration. From my understanding, Peter Diplock is the interim director while um, we um, search for a new candidate. So it might be worthwhile to reach out to Brenda Drummond and CC Peter Diplock in the discussions. Um, I don't think that sitting on it um, is necessarily a brilliant idea. Maybe starting the conversation would be wise. And even with the turnover... If 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 Diplock is serious about if Mr. Diplock is serious about uh, his role as interim director, I think he he'd still be willing to take it on in her absence. Who knows? He might get elected director. In which case, that's right. Yeah. Well, that would that would be all the better because exactly. the communication has started. Yeah. 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 Sooner the better. Oh, you're right. Years ago. Yeah. That's no, great. And I, I hope. I, I hope that I wasn't too impassioned in my in my comment earlier, but I, I think that this is extremely important. It is. Sick of ginger. I think it is too, and it's not the only thing, really. I also think the teachers also yeah. don't get paid enough for the children. I also think there should be a personal adjustment counselor, and there should be more people trained in technology to teach the children yeah. and adults. I deal constantly. I'm I'm a JAWS certified expert and I deal constantly with people who are let down because they haven't been given the necessary screen reader skills. Um and oh, yeah. you know, they fall through the system. Um, a long period between seeing a, a fully trained person has so many resources to ask for help when they're learning something. Somebody who's blind has virtually no resources, you know. Especially when right. they're not in school, they got almost zero, so. Gene yeah. had Alex Gene had Alex to help him out. Yeah. But um, I don't I think Alex Hall is a saint. I love that so, man so much. <laughs> yeah, he's a saint. I brought him up. Yeah, Gene raised yeah. him. He still turned out all right. guitar and... Now Alex has helped him out a lot, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> but there's a lot to be done. But you have to probably. start somewhere. I think the O and M is a good place to start. I mean, it's a very basic need. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, give it ten percent. I think the one difference. I I think the one difference between O and M and the other blindness skills that are really important. Is that the uh, safety aspect of going? I was going to say that you don't get run over with computer training. So I think I think we'd have a better argument as far as 
you know, and of course, and uh, you know, you can't get employed if you can't get there. You know, you don't know how to get there. But I think the safety aspect <laughs> is uh, really yeah, important. And it also it goes to independence. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Fully, fully people understand that too. You, yeah. If you have to convince some legislatures, you just blind them and ask them to get from point A to B, and yeah. they'll get it. You know, and if they, uh, it's very hard to keep a job if you get run over. It's still really bad that we stayed <laughs> if home. The blind person wants to get a seeing eye dog. They have to have orientation Boy, mobility. They do. That, that's, that's right. right. They, they won't even talk to you at the guide dog school oh. unless well, you have to get a before yeah. you get a guide dog. Well, you have to be. You have to have some basic going on. So many people yeah. come to us and say, "I would like a dog," and they're like, yeah. "Can you use a cane?" And like, no. So you can't have a dog yet, right? And you can't you can't give them a dog because I mean, well, yeah, the, exactly. Yeah. Then you're both you lost. You know where you are. That's right. Then a dog and you will both be lost. Well, at the I same carry time. my <laughs> so what other things could we kind of be working on moving forward into next year with other projects to... I think a, I uh... have a quick question this is Ginger before we yeah. move on would you like me to follow through with Brenda on Please. behalf of ACP Maine because yes. I don't want to overstep I think I think well, that's a good idea Yes, Ginger. I make a motion that Ginger, we, we will. No, 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 no. Ginger, I don't need a motion. I know. <laughs> no, no motions. Ginger, okay. <laughs> okay, oh, now I'm unmuted. Now you're unmuted. Now I am. We have, a, we have a visitor among us, so this is great. Thank you. Thank you for coming at this point. I, It's my great pleasure to introduce my friend Jeff Tom from Sacramento, California. That's Jeff right. is um, currently a member of the ACB National Board of Directors. He served at one point as vice president of ACB National. He has been president of California Council of the Blind more than once. Um, in his uh, day job, he spent um, many years working for the Legislative Analyst's Office at um, the State House in California. He's been on, I was trying to think of all the committees that you have been on over time, the Lawyers Group, the uh, Aging um, Aging AAVL, I always figure with an alliance on aging and vision loss. That's what it is. And you've been on so many committees. You've been on the voting task force. You've been on the bylaws and constitution resolution. This is hardly a committee you haven't been on. And uh, just um, one of the most uh, approachable and available people. that I have known in in the many years I spent out in California. So, um, without any further, um, let's see. Somebody needs to be muted. Okay, Mr. Tom. Well, thank you, uh, Linda. It's a pleasure to be talking to the main convention, and it is really a pleasure to be introduced by 
Linda Perel, whom I was so privileged to work with for so many years during her uh, membership in the California Council of the Blind. Uh, she was always a voice of reason and compassion and dedication in, in so many things that she did. And it was always a pleasure to work with you, Linda, and I'm, I'm glad to speak to the group today. Um, so first, um, greetings from Deb Cook-Lewis and the entire board of directors, as well as uh, Dan Spoon and the staff of the American Council of Blind. Um, we really value our affiliates. You know, the affiliates are, are the backbone of this organization. They make us strong. And um, it is a privilege to be talking with you today and bringing salutations from, you know, the leadership. Um, we'll get back to uh, affiliate relations later on in my discussion. Um, let me talk about some upcoming events. Um, the next convention of the American Council of the Blind um, will be July 5th to 12th at the Hyatt Riverfront Hotel in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, you may wonder if you've never attended a convention, why you should go to one, why you should make that trip. Isn't it like straight down I-95 or something like that? My, my East Coast geography leaves something to be desired. The only thing I know, though, I did look up the weather, and I guess Maine, like Sacramento, is sunny. The only difference is about 30 degrees, which I have to say. Um, so one, one advantage or one great thing about conventions is some of the tours that they have uh, in the planning stages. Uh, the, the, there's hope to be a tour of the Kennedy Space Center, which would, I think would be awesome. Um, museums, uh, indoor skydiving, airboats, uh, candy tour. I guess this candy place you can get, uh, you know, different candy from different eras or whatever. It's, it's some cool stuff. There's exhibits at these conventions from all over, all, all sorts of things from, you know, clothing to jewelry to technology to um, programs that serve um, blind and low vision individuals. And of course, there's all sorts of workshops and seminars. Um, you know, from the general sessions to things that are put on by special interest affiliate, um, aging issues, women's concerns. Um, um, hang on, I have to turn an alarm off that I forgot I hadn't turned off. Uh, it, and women's issues, of course, which is something that... Uh, Linda herself is tremendously involved in. In fact, um, AVL and the women's Amer ACB women did a, a seminar together a couple of years ago. Technology, uh, legal issues, much, much more um, you can learn about. And of course, you can uh, hear most of the workshops and seminars virtually if you don't go to convention. Um, not all of them. Some of them are um, only in person, but most of them are virtual. Um, but what you definitely miss, um, uh, as well as the tours and, and the ability to actually get up close and personal in the exhibits, because you, you do get to listen to some of the exhibitors virtually as well, but you miss the camaraderie and the chance to meet 
uh, other blind and low vision people from, from throughout the country who share your concerns, your frustrations. Um, they, they may have knowledge, which will help you in, in your you know daily journey as a blind or low vision person. And I, you know, I can only say um, that I had been active in California for several years before I went to my first national convention. And I really didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal because, you know, I come from this big state where we have lots of people, right? Lots of blind people. But it is my first convention. I was awestruck by, you know, all the people I met from everywhere. And so if you have an opportunity to attend a convention of the American Council of Blind, I just encourage you to take advantage of it and see how you like it. Um, and and that, I, I say that really from the heart, not not because I'm a board member or be, or anything like that. I just think it's, a, it's an experience that you should have. Um, there's also another experience with that I think is worth having. Um, March 2nd to 5th, we have our leadership um, conference. And um, uh, it begins on Saturday the 2nd with a board meeting. And then there's a meeting of presidents on Sunday. And then on Monday, you learn about um, all sorts of uh, issues, including legislative imperatives that you're going to be discussing on Capitol Hill, which happens on Tuesday the 5th. And you can go around. Um, the, I should say the leadership conference is right outside of D.C. Um, and if you have never advocated with your congressman or congresswoman, um, you got a great senator there in Maine. you got Susan Collins and, and what, Angus King, I think, two great senators. Um, if you if you've never done advocacy on Capitol Hill, it is a unique experience. Um, it it isn't always successful because we know Congress. I think the last I'd heard, Congress has actually passed twelve pieces of legislation the whole year. So we know that it isn't doesn't work a lot of the time. But it's truly an amazing experience. I can't tell you, and I, and I think Linda would agree with me, how many um, advocates in ACB have really become fierce advocates because they've taken advantage of an opportunity to go to Capitol Hill and see what it's like. And then they go to, back to their own state and they really want to get things done. So that's another thing that's going on in ACB. Um, a couple of little things, and then I'm going to turn to some uh, advocacy items that that uh, is happening. And Linda, if, if you'll give me like um, maybe 325, a five-minute warning so that there's time left over for questions because I um, I happen to lose my watch, which is the worst thing in the world. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. It's it's just horrible. <laughs> I, I love my bro watch, and I lost it. Uh, and it's somewhere in my house. I know that. <laughs> but you can't even call it on your phone. You can't no, <laughs> I know, I know. So um, anyway. Uh, a couple things that are happening. We uh, a very sad thing for us, and a great thing for our our director of advocacy and governmental affairs, Clark Roxfall, who is just incredible, uh, is going to be taking a job um, in, in a few weeks with Nike, and so um, 
and we are unfortunately losing him and we're going to be uh very quickly now um posting a replacement to hire a new uh advocacy and governmental affairs director and the other thing of course we uh dan spoon is our acting executive director um but we are going to be in the not too distant future um you know uh searching for a new executive director to come on sometime next year so um those are some exciting uh changes that will be occurring um in the organization um let me talk about some of the advocacy issues that are going on in the organization. Um, we have issues involving kiosks. Um, the, the primary one involves some uh, medical laboratories, which have used access, inaccessible kiosks. So what happens is you, um, you don't know when they call your name. And uh, in fact, you, you don't even know how to get them to call your name because you can't let them know you're here because there's nobody there to actually uh, actually see that you're there. They, there's nobody in the reception area. So um, we won a case against in California against a company called LabCorp that has labs in uh, various places throughout the country um, that held court held that their um, their kiosks were inaccessible and they needed to refine a system to make it um, easier for people to get noticed and to then get a, their place in line and get notified when it was their turn. So that and we have another case against a, another um, laboratory, Quest Labs, um, and we'll, and that case is, is ongoing. Um, one of the things which we have been helping states to do and which we've worked with other advocacy groups on is um, accessible voting. And um, I don't know how things work in Maine, but in many states um, now, in some states, you cannot even vote using a computer at all. But in many, you now can vote using a computer. However, in most of those states, and there are some exceptions, like West Virginia and parts of Massachusetts and, and other states, um, in some states, you can actually um, cast your ballot and send it in online. But in most states, you have to print your ballot out and and you have to you know, sign your ballot envelope and send your ballot in. Jeff, now, I'm going to interrupt you here and say that here in Maine, we can cast our ballot and send it in online. Oh, that yes. is... I'm gonna, I am, and, it, and it's actually in the Constitution of Maine that... Basically, stipulates that voting machines have to be accessible. I am thrilled. I uh, admit that I did not know that, and that's a little dereliction of duty on my part. But I'm absolutely thrilled. I wish Maine were like California. Uh, I'll tell you that. As a, as a resident the first of Maine, get accessible absentee ballots. As a resident of Maine, from out who currently studies outside of the state. Um, being able to vote absentee completely accessibly in the privacy of my own space and to do it to exercise my exercise my rights as a citizen is is fantastic. It is. That is great. Yeah, this is Pauline Lummeltine. There were four people uh, from Maine uh, and happened to be members of uh, ACB of Maine 
and uh -huh. plains for guide dog users who were the plaintiffs and um, disability rights uh, assi assisted in actually was represented us in, in the case that was successful. That's fantastic. They're working with us in California too, our, our disability rights affiliate. And they've right. done so right. in other, other states, New York, um, Indiana, uh, other states as well. That's great. Very glad to hear that. Maine has almost always been ahead of the rest of the country. So yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Especially I don't know if people California. heard me, but Maine was the first state to get accessible right. absentee ballots. The first state to mm. do a lot of things. There you go. Every day you learn something new, and I learned something yesterday. I learned why um, most plants are green. Uh, which uh, maybe if we have time, we'll tell you. Uh, and today I learned about Maine's voting. Okay, let me let me go on to um, some of the legislative initiatives that we are supporting. Um, whoops, I just lost my spot here in my notes. Okay, let me get my... Sometimes the... Uh, Technology sort of throws you for a loop, and I have to go back and find my place because I don't remember the name of these uh, uh, pieces of legislation exactly because it, they get so complicated. Um, okay, so the first one I want to tell you about, and you may well know about some of these, are the. Um, my darling thing is. <laughs> okay. Website and Software Applications Accessibility Act of 2023. Uh, it's been introduced in both houses, um, and there are sponsors from uh, both parties. Um, uh, the Senate bill, I'll just give it to you in case folks want to write it down, is 2984. And, you know, you want to urge your senators to, uh, um, to support it, especially Susan Collins who's on the health committee. And then in the house, it's HR 5813. And this bill basically, as it seems to suggest, would um, attempt to make, um, make it uh, impose requirements to make um, both websites and other types of applications, including mobile applications, um, accessible, very simple. Um, it isn't that simply written, but that's the simple goal. Uh, then there's the Medical Device Non-Visual Accessibility Act of 2023, which uh, has is bipartisan in the House, at least. Um, the bill number is HR 1328. Um, the, and then there's the Communications Video and Technology Accessibility Act of 2023, um, and I, I don't, I should have, but I don't have, it was introduced by Senator Markey. Of course and, it was. Uh, yes, yes. And <laughs> somehow I don't have the, uh, the Senate <laughs> bill number, but I, I can look it up and send it along to you. Um, but in the house it's HR 3817. Um, and, and what, what that bill, uh, oh, I, I, well, I'll come back to the medical device one and self-explanatory, but I didn't say what it did. What that bill would do, among other things, is require audio description from um, non-cable and streaming services. Um, but the medical device, uh, uh, the medical device non-visual accessibility act, 
which is again pretty self-explanatory, would make um, a, a lot of home medical devices um, required to make them accessible. Um, you know, like you know things like glucometers and um, blood pressure uh, devices. You know, that, that sort of things. And and you know, there's so you know whether we'll get any of this passed next year. Highly. You know, the way Congress is going, it's pretty tough to say we'll do very much. But you have to keep the way advocacy works. You just have to keep fighting. And because you never know when you'll get a breakthrough. It may take five years. It may take two, three years. You never know. But, you know, advocacy is not advocacy is not for the faint of heart. That's for sure. Um, Finally, uh, there's a couple of uh, items that a couple of current laws that have to be reauthorized next year. Um, the first is the Federal Aviation Administration uh, Act that uh, needs to be reauthorized. And among other things, it impacts uh, uh, requirements for the airlines pertaining to travel with guide dogs. And, you know, there, there of course, are difficulties, as those of you with guide dogs know, in terms of um, the uh forms that have to be filled out um, and presented to the airlines. Some of them are pretty nigh inaccessible. Um, you know, and I, I've tried to fill them out myself. So um, and I can, although I'm not a guide dog user, but um, I, I know that it's a real challenge sometimes with some of those forms. Um, and they, they don't obviously do very much good in my opinion, but that's my opinion. Uh, and the other thing, which is very close to home for me as the ex-president of the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss, is the um, Older Americans Act has to be reauthorized. And the reason that's important for us is that the Older Americans Act doesn't contain the word vision. It doesn't refer to vision rehabilitation services. It doesn't, um, it, it does very little specifically related to blindness or low vision. And the Older Americans Act is the law under which area agencies on aging, in, in every locality in this country has an area agency on aging as, you know, th that uh, works in its area. Um, every state, every, um, you know, city and county has one. And they fund all sorts of programs. But because blindness isn't mentioned in the act, it is very, very seldom that you will find um, funding allocated by these agencies, these local agencies, for blindness services. Doesn't mean you can't get it, and there are a few who have taken advantage of the Older Americans Act, but we normally don't see that kind of funding. So it's another funding source for um, services to older individuals who are blind, but it's one that we haven't really been able to take full advantage of. So we're trying to amend that act to um, include references to vision and vision rehabilitation services. Um, I now want to turn to, um, before we take questions, and I really hope there are some, um, why should you, as members of a small affiliate uh, way back there in the northeastern corner of the country, be involved with the national organization? And I don't have an exhaustive list of reasons, but I'm going to give you 
just a few. First, of course, um, as I mentioned before, there are conventions, and and they are it can uh, they can provide you with so much from information to you know meeting people to um, learning. If you you may have listened to the virtual convention and listen to how we adopt um, resolutions to determine what policies we're going to support on the national level and oppose on the national level. And sometimes it gets a little muddy and sometimes the debate is a little slow and sluggish, <laughs> but it is the way that members, and I, I, of course, since I've been involved in it for so long, I'm biased toward it, but it's really the way that the membership can express itself in terms of what you, not what your leaders want, although the leaders have the same say that you do, but what you want um, to support and oppose um, throughout this country of ours. And um, whenever anybody, um, I'm this is my own bias coming out here, whenever anybody tries to, you know, put limits on the resolutions process or whatever, I say that is a very dangerous thing because it's one of the ways that you as members control um, what your leadership is going to advocate um, on. And, and I, I always think it's an important process. So, but there's many other things um, that you can get from your affiliate. Of course, right now you have uh, that amazing board member of ours, um, Cecily, who is, and, and others, who are involved in, uh, I don't know whether I heard Joe Green, and I can't remember if I heard somebody, uh, who, who involved in helping you with uh, streaming this convention. Um, and, and that is something that, um, you know, being involved with the national organization uh, provides you. Um, you can become part, and I could talk, in Oklahoma, I was just in Oklahoma a couple months ago, and we talked for a half hour about this, but I'm going to talk to about it in about two minutes. You can be part of the ACB community, and I suspect that many of you already are. There is a hundred community calls a week on every topic under the sun, from crafting to music to yoga to technology to history to languages to te uh, technology um, to advocacy concerns. Um, to one of the ones that my wife and I like most is this show that interviews writers, you know, and famous writers at that. Um, and that's just an amazing show. And so if you send an email to community at acb.org, you can get on the schedule and they will send you schedules every day of the, of the calls. And you can either um, listen to them on Zoom uh, uh, which allows you also to um, dial in to those calls because, of course, with every Zoom link is also you can do it on your iPhone or your smartphone or Android, or you can dial in on a landline. So, And you can also listen to many of them on ACB radio. So that if you have an Alexa or a Google Play, whatever, you can listen to them on that. Um, we use Alexa a lot to listen to ACB radio. Another thing that ACB has is a mentorship program, ACB Inspire. This is the second year of the program where we um, have um, what we call guides who are 
you know, members of the organization for a while and explorers who are usually, but not always newer members, but sometimes they're not, but who want to learn more about not only the organization itself, but about achieving whatever goals they might have. And, you know, essentially the, the, the guides are mentors and the explorers are mentees. And we work one-on-one um, and we have a leadership group um, that, uh, that basically implements the program and oversees it um, to work with our guides and explorers. And it is an amazing experience having been a mentor. I'll tell you, I got as much out of it when I did that as I put into it. And the ability to learn from someone else or to help someone else is really impactful. And I hope that long after I am, you know, in, in going to the next world or whatever, that the mentorship program continues, because I just think that is really something of great importance. Advocacy, of course, um, whether it's, you know, system advocacy, like, you know, maybe, you know, you, you're trying to get an accessible pedestrian signal put in and you're in your city or, t- uh, or county and you're facing obstacles. You have people like, um, you know, Chris Bell of North Carolina and, you know, Linda and my friend, Gene Lozano from California, who you can go to and get uh, tips and tricks on how to do advocacy to get, you know, to get over the top. Um, You can have help on individual advocacy if you are running into a problem. Um, There are people who know how to advocate um, on your behalf and or who can advise those of you who just want, you know, uh, advice on, you know, on on advocacy issues. Um, There are uh, one uh, community training call that happens every month that I want to specifically mention are leadership training calls. The the Burrow Collie, who was a former board member of this organization, um, the Burrow Collie Leadership Training Institute, and um, that committee, puts forth calls every month on month, excuse me, on different issues that um, the organization that, that leaders need to learn about. They just did one a couple of days ago on issues that treasurers face. Um, and next year they're going to do one on the collection of data um, for the national organization because when when you sign up as a member, there are different types of data to be collected. And so, but throughout the year, they did, they did one a couple months ago on resolving conflicts that come up in your affiliate or your or a local chapter. So you know, and in fact, in December, we're going to solicit um, as part of our call. We're going to solicit um, ideas from our members on what they want to see us do in terms of leadership calls because. Uh, we don't want it to just be us uh, on the committee, you know, making up these topics as we go along. We want to serve your needs. So those are just, oh, and on also, Maine has the opportunity, and I, you may have already exercised it, but um, it's now an optional opportunity to opt in to have a liaison from the ACB Board of Directors that can you know, maybe come to your board meeting or talk with people in the organization, do whatever 
types of things um, Maine might want. And that is something that is definitely worth um, taking advantage of. I um, I, I thoroughly enjoy being a board liaison. I must confess, I don't put as much time into it as I think I should, but I love doing it. And um, again, it's an honor to serve in that role um, for some of the states that I work with. With that, I think um, I'm happy to turn it over to any questions that anybody has. Uh, you know. Just letting you know, it's just shy of three o'clock. So we got. My name is. Go ahead. My name is Dean, and I have a question. Okay, go ahead. You hear me? Okay. You mentioned some kind of an application or something from the airlines that you had to fill out. Well, I haven't flown in a plane for a long time, so I don't know anything about that. What is, is that something everyone has to do before they get on a plane? If you have a guide dog, you have to fill out a form yeah. for the for whatever airline you have. Um, that you know it contains a number of things like you know what's your dog's name and I don't know I can't remember it. Um, and then you have to have the have it with you and take it um, to the airport and just have it have a copy with you. Um, what I what what we do, um, what we have done is retained a copy of the forms we filled out. Every airline has a different form, though, so you know you have to be aware that if um, just because you filled out one for United doesn't mean you're going to have a one for that's going to work for American. And there has been an instance where somebody was not allowed to board their flight. When they didn't have the form, and maybe more than one instance, but we—I know of one. Oh, well, that's good to know. Thank you. You too. Yeah. Hello, um, my name is Noah Carver, and I have a question. Hang on for just one minute. I'm trying to hang up a phone that is annoying me. I don't know what it's doing. But it's a spam call, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead and give me your name again. My name is Noah. Um, okay. And uh, I'm not go here to it. sell you uh, your. I'm not here to sell you an extended warranty on your automobile. Um, <laughs> I have a question um, regarding. Wait a minute. ACP. Where did, I, I didn't know I had an automobile. Uh, <laughs> are you sure about that? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Oh, I love messing with those guys. Um, <laughs> my question, though, concerns ACB and uh, its social media strategy. I'm. Uh, this might be less interesting for folks who aren't uh, on social media, but for those who are, there's been some consistent discussion about ACB and its presence on the platform Mastodon. Um, and um, I'm wondering what the latest... Um, is in terms of ACB having a presence on the platform is um, I know for many um, young blind people like myself who are um, active social media users um, who were sort of disen um, are who lost access to the platform Twitter um, are are looking to keep in touch with the organization and see what they're posting. 
um, and would like to be able to do that, but currently can't because the organization doesn't have a Mastodon presence um, at, at, as it stands now. So that changed a, a few weeks ago. Um, okay. They had, got a group together. We do now have a presence on Mastodon. I'm not a Mastodon okay. user, so unfortunately I can't give you those details, but I can uh, get that information to Linda um, and she could pass it on. Um, I always like Hello. to pass the buck to Linda, you know, because oh, that's what indeed. I do. <laughs> no, we saw there was an email from Deb um, just a couple of few days ago about Mastodon. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, there was. Yeah. Wonderful. That, was you know. that in dots and dashes? No, it was just no. on the leadership list. So okay, yeah, all right. Well, um, I will we, look into that, and I'm I applaud the ACB for uh, for jumping on the Mastodon bandwagon, and um, I look forward to keeping in touch uh, with the organization that way and thank there you for the information on the dot, there, there was guidance on the dots and the latest dots and dashes that told you how to sign up for masterdom oh good okay okay mm -hmm. good stuff yeah, I, clearly i need to be a little more literate in terms <laughs> of reading the the dots and dashes well it's probably too long <laughs> well um <laughs> Well, and I just finished an opera performance, so my, my focus oh, wow. is elsewhere. But... I could sing opera, but it would probably clear the hall in about 30 seconds. Well, I can't hear for you. Oops, sorry. Go ahead, Noah. No, it was it was. It was just a silly response. Your question mm -hmm. was, was more important. I, Go right ahead. I love your silly responses. Mm. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, I'm on a sick day today, so I would clear the hall, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not as easily as I would. <laughs> okay. In I fact, when I threatened to sing karaoke on the ACB community, my wife told me don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> and Linda knows my wife very well, so she <laughs> gets a good laugh out of that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I just have a couple of questions. Um, can you tell me the bill numbers for um the health care? Um you had two house um bill numbers, one that started with H and the other started with two. Uh yeah, let me go back here. Uh, the for the medical, yeah. um, the medical device non visual accessibility act. Is that that the one one, there was another one before that too. Uh, let me see. Hold on. Um, to make um healthcare um websites accessible was that? Oh, that's thing? not healthcare. That's everything though. But um, yes, yeah. let me let me go back to that. Okay, it's S twenty nine eighty four. S is in Sam. S is in Senate. Yes, yes. Okay, and twenty nine eighty four. Um, and and that's the one where you know Susan Collins is on the health committee, so she would be someone to uh, write to and try to get her to. Um, well, is that bill going through the health committee, even though it applies to all science? Is that apparently so? That's what oh, I understand. Well, I, I I was sort of thinking that was I questioned the same things you did, mm -hmm. Linda, <laughs> but apparently so. Um, 
And uh, in fact, there's a, I can forward you, there was something that was sent out by Swatha, uh, who is our assistant, uh, our second in command in the, sta in the advocacy uh, staff uh, on uh, that particular bill. And it had a list of health committee members. So I, will, I can send that out to you. Um, okay. For next week or something. And then the House bill is HR 5813. 13. Okay. And then um, you did mention the other one for devices. Yes. Um, let's see. I have I have the House bill. I don't have the Senate bill. I'm going to try and look it up and get it. Uh, uh, but I couldn't find Marky's uh, bill number yesterday when I was looking it up. Um, okay. HR thirteen twenty eight is the House bill number. Okay. Um. Yep. And I think. Oh, and then the radio. Um, you said there was the ACB radio, and then um, they can listen to meetings through that way oh you mean the community yes so if you send an email to community at acb.org and you want ask them to get on get you on the daily schedule they will send you emails every day about the schedule of the um community calls for that particular day and that was community at acb.org that's correct okay um, hello, this is uh, Nathaniel Batson, and um, just kind of a quick question about uh, the Senate bill, both the basically digital uh, accessibility kind of, if you will, making uh -huh. everything accessible. Was that in part driven by 2019, the, Supreme, uh, the case that got to the Supreme Court, uh, was it Rubbles v. Domino's, I think? No, that, the, 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 no, the court dismissed it, but... Yeah, yeah, they did. No, it's just the fact that... Um... Until recently, the federal government had not even proposed any regulations for web accessibility. And okay. the regulations that they did propose under the, that, that, that apply to Title II um, of the Older Americans Act, which deals with public entities, um, we recently filed comments on the proposed regulations those regulations were weak in a lot of areas. And I am glad to say that ACB, along with other entities, um, filed rather strong comments um, about many of the provisions that really would have watered, would, would if they are adopted, water down the mm -hmm. effectiveness of the regulations. They, they, they were clearly a... They were clearly, well, it's my opinion that they were clearly yeah. meant as a, a means of, you know, getting acceptance by a lot of different parties, uh, even though... Uh, Many of them on K Street, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. And then all those lobbyists in, in D.C. <laughs> Wonderful. But, but, I, but I don't know. They, they could have been a lot stronger, in, in, in our opinion, and they should be stronger. And who knows? Maybe they will be. 
Yeah, no, definitely. And I agree. I mean, I actually had a leadership conference in DC last, I think it was last year. And uh, I know it was for school. So we wasn't strictly, you know, accessibility based or through ACV, but I brought up some of those questions and whether it be digital or just physical and a lot of the things that I said was money is the issue and or either money or that's not that's not the priority of what we want right now, which. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I forgot to mention the leadership conference will be virtual, so you oh. will be able to. Um, the one thing that is beginning to happen and um, we're out here in California where we um, at this point aren't uh, going to be able to send a whole lot of people, unfortunately, um, but they're beginning to, I think, more on the Republican side, but on the Democratic side as well, this is not a partisan thing, they are beginning to um, revert back to not having Zoom, as many Zoom um, visits. They, they're, they're wanting to go, uh, and I suspect it will only continue to increase, wanting to revert back to having people uh, come in person. And so, you know, I don't know how your state senators and representatives will work, but it, it is going to be, get more and more difficult to make um, Zoom appointments over time. Um, so that's, I'm not, like I say, I don't know. It's all individual. Some, some offices are still doing it and some are not. Um, but um, for a while there, of course, we were doing all Zoom and it worked great. It, it, it enabled more people to participate, you know, that, than ever before. One year we had 30 people in California doing it um, and, uh, and it was great. Uh, but so anyway, that's but but the leadership seminar is virtual and you can listen to all of it, the proceedings on uh, over Zoom and other mechanisms, platforms. Anyone else? Right now, yeah, thank you for answering that question, but the, or clarifying the thing about the digital, uh, I guess, I think that's going through the Senate right now. Yeah, well, you know, we have no idea uh, how far it's going to go. Uh, I, I think in the Senate, I don't think Senator Duckworth has any Republican co-sponsors, and that's going to even make it more difficult mm -hmm. in the Senate, right, but who knows? You know, I'd like to just throw something in uh, to the discussion about two special interest affiliates of ACB that I find to be incredibly forward looking and stretching the boundaries of the organization. And that those are the Multicultural Affairs Committee and uh, Blind Pride International. I think that um, their presence in the organization has really shaken things up in a good way. And um, and um, BPI throws the best parties at convention, bar none. So. Yeah, they are in many ways the social conscience of the organization. And they... Um... 
force us, and I mean force in a positive way, uh, to to toe the line and really, um, when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, they're not just words that we use to, you know, sound good and look good. Um, those two entities force us to really, you know, talk the talk and walk the walk, in, in my opinion. So I uh, totally agree with you, uh, uh, Linda, in, in, with respect to both of those, both the Blind Pride affiliate and the Multicultural Affairs Committee. Well, this has been incredibly helpful and, and enjoyable for this lady anyway. And um, we um, want to thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you. Thank I you hope it's that. been, in, I hope it's been informative. Um, I, uh, some had, you know, when I was seven years old, this is my own story here. <laughs> I promised my mom, my late mother, that I would take her to the rocky coast of Maine. I didn't keep that promise. Mm. So I got to come to Maine sometime, and at least I can tell her that I made it to Maine. So one of these days on my bucket list is a trip to Maine, but it will probably be in the uh, summer or spring or maybe early fall. I don't think I want to come there in <laughs> this time of year. <laughs> Are we staying away December through like March or April? You want to stay away like yeah, December through like yeah. March or April? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but thanks again for having me. And I really appreciate talking to you and hearing questions. And if I can ever uh, help in any other way, uh, don't be afraid to call. Thank you, my friend. All right. So um, now, um... We don't have anything left on the agenda um, except for adjournment, but we have a few more um, gift cards. Cheryl, do we have three more? Yes. Okay. We have eight, nine, and ten. Just take them off. Let's make it do the last three. Okay. Well, let's uh, pick a number between one and 21. I got three more gift cards. <laughs> okay, the number she picked was eight. I don't know if we had that number yet. Roger Fuller. <gasps> Roger. I never so went you, man. So what a lucky day. It's a wonderful Thank feeling, you. isn't it? <laughs> wonderful. Just wonderful. Thank you so much. Roger. You're welcome. You ready for the next one? Number nine. Alexa, pick a number between 1 and 19. Here's a number between 1 and 19. 16. 16. There we go. That's a new number. That's, That's a 16. new number. And that is Pauline Lamonte. Yay! Pauline! Oh, well, let me use my Alexa. Let me use my Alexa, Cheryl. I have Alexa here, too. Let me ask her. Yay, Congratulations, Pauline! Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> And we have one more. Alexa, pick a number between 1 and 19. Pick a number between 1 and 19. It's 2. Number 2. Oh, good. Number we have to pick that one. Uh, 2 is Amanda Frost. Woo! Yay! 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 <laughs> I just want to thank everybody for being here thank today. You. 
Thank you so much, everyone, for coming. Thank you for participating in not just this convention, but all the everybody that made this happen today. We had a very yes. short period to put it together, and it was kind of like a speedy process to get it going and get it off the ground. And Linda yeah. and Cheryl, you guys did so wonderful contacting, you know, people to do guest speaking today. Linda did it just all, that. all fell in place. Linda, you did wonderful. I'm so proud of you. I'm so glad Cheryl to have always you as does president. Great. But Cheryl, you did as much. She did, <laughs> yeah. So she, Linda did most of it. Linda and Amanda uh, no. did both. Don't let them fool you. I made a few cold calls. Yeah, that was all. <laughs> oh, Linda, you did. You did a lot. You did so much. But well, I'm just and so Amanda, you, you know we're a team. What I want to say is I, I've had a hard time with adjusting to my email with with this whole thing. I've, I've just, you know, and Linda and Cheryl, you guys have stepped in when you've had to, when people have emailed and I was, where, where was I? I have no idea. And you responded. And I just want to thank you both for that because it's been really helpful. So thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 Thank you, you so here. much. Thank you. Uh, you know uh, Thank you. Thanks for all the love. Bye, guys. everyone. It was a pleasure. Thanks forward for to getting the uh, the nice. links and the, and everything from you guys. Thanks so. for the great lunch. Yeah.